Folks, a church, we need to understand, you need to understand that there have been very specific warnings given in the, in the Bible about the hour and the day that we are living in. The day that is just like a sliver of time before Jesus returns. Okay? Just, I mean, stop and think about it. How, how many believe that Jesus is coming back in the next 100 years? How many believe that? Put your hand. This is not a trick question, okay? Okay, you honestly believe that? Okay. Listen, think about this. 100 years. We think it's a, a long time, you know, in comparison to our lifespan. Long time. But <laughs> it was 2,000 years ago he said, I'm coming back. Be ready. Be ready. Live ready. Because I'm coming back. 2,000 years ago, he said that. That's like back here, he said it. And now here we are today, 2,000 years later. And y'all said, for sure I believe he's coming back in the next 100 years. I personally believe it's a lot shorter than that. So here we are. And there are things the Bible has talked about, about this hour that we are living in, warnings that we've been given. And we're going to just look at some of these. I won't comment on them because we'll be here until tonight. But uh, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul said that before Jesus, right before Jesus returns, there's going to be a great apostasy that happens, a great falling away from truth. Um, that's 2 Thessalonians. In uh, 2 Timothy, Paul wrote in 3.13, In fact, evil men and false teachers will become worse and worse, deceiving many, they themselves having been deceived by Satan. And then 2 Timothy, the next chapter, fourth chapter, verse 3, For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth, because they will become selfish and proud, they will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. Folks, this is happening today. I'm just here to tell you, it's happening today. Isaiah uh, uh, spoke of a time that was coming when darkness would cover the earth and gross darkness the people. That is happening today. If you don't believe that, all you got to do is turn the news on. This world is crazy. Huh, are you listening to me? This world is nuts. It's crazy. You hear things and they talk about it in a certain way and you're going, what is going on? How could you even believe such craziness? But yet, they put it forth as truth. So anyway, it's happening today. And the best way, I've been trying to come up with a real short sentence about what is, what is really going on here. And I think the best way I can describe it is this. Christianity as we have known it for 2,000 years, is being reshaped and reformed. And I don't mean reformed in a good way. It's being changed into something that it has not been 
for 2,000 years. And to make that a little clearer, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to just look at a traditional Christianity as it has been for 2,000 years, okay? This is, this is the basic Christianity 101. Okay, first of all, all have sinned. Is there anybody in this room that would disagree with that? <laughs> okay, I'm about to sin. <laughs> All have sinned. Next, man's sin separated him from God. Now, if you don't hear anything else they say today, would you please be sure, turn, turn that brain on right now and hear this. Man's sin separated him from God. It didn't separate God from man. It separated man from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, go back. <laughs> Somebody once told me, if you can understand the first three chapters of the Bible, you can understand the whole Bible. Okay? God created man to have fellowship with man. God comes in the cool of the day to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sin. God still comes. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you really think he didn't know? <laughs> he still came. Adam and Eve are like, oh, it's God. Run and hide. As if you can. Didn't stop God. Man <laughs> was separated from God by his sin. He ran away from God, and that's what sinners are still doing today. They run from God. It's, it's crazy because God says, listen, this is not acceptable. <laughs> I love you. I want to have fellowship with you. So I'm going to deal with your sin. I send Jesus and I take all your sin and put it on the sinless one. And he pays the penalty. <laughs> so certainly now you feel like you can come to me. No, man still runs away from God. This is nuts. So God sent the sinless one. And now, if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus, ask for forgiveness. He can give it to you because his sin has already been placed on Jesus. Ask him into your heart. And you know what? His Holy Spirit will, will live big in you. And he will change your life. Yeah. Now, 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 that's basic Christianity. It's so simple that your children over there understand it. But <laughs> it's not good enough. We've got to reshape this thing. We've got to change the way it's presented and I want to tell you something about false teaching. All false teaching always starts with truth. See, if, if I stand up here and I tell you some cr 
craziness. Most of you, if I just start that way, most of you are going to look at me and go, that guy is crazy. He's a false teacher. But if I start by telling you something that everybody in this room would agree with, now I got you on board with me. Now where I go with that is where I can lead you astray. Now I'm not going to. Relax. I love these seats. This is the first time I can ever say in my whole ministerial career, I, I preached and everybody was on the edge of their seat. <laughs> but now, let's just, let's, let's, I'm just taking you down the path now that the church is going today, okay? I'm going to say something, and I want you to say out loud, loudly, whether it's truth or whether it's true or false, okay? Here it is. We need to love sinners. Is, is there any question? There's no question. That is the thing that is being really trumpeted today. We need to love the sinners. This is what's been missing. You church people, you just haven't loved sinners the way you should. And so that's why they don't come to Jesus. You piece of slime. Okay? That's basically what's being taught. But let's ask ourselves another question. What does that look like? Would anybody say, oh, we don't love sinners? No, you love sinners. We should love sinners. But what does that look like? If you don't have the right answer to that question, I'm going to tell you you're going to start down a road that's going to lead you where you never should go, and you are going to get into more craziness than you could have ever imagined. Now, I've just picked out four. I have so many more, but... I don't have all day to preach, but I've picked out four things that I have either heard personally, saw on Facebook, or things like that, okay? We're going to go through these as fast as I can. Here's the first one. This was posted by a pastor from Greeley on his Facebook page, and here's what he said. If you label them, you don't love them. Now... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Hold, hold everything. Time out. If we label them, we don't love them. Hmm. Somebody needed to tell that to Jesus. Jesus said, I am come to call sinners to repentance. Hmm. Listen to this. The word sin, sinned, or sinners is found over 1,200 times in the Bible. Hmm. Somebody's getting labeled. <laughs> I, all I have to say is this. If you're not going to label them, then why in the world are we trying to reach them? Enough of that. Here's, here's another one. This one was not by somebody locally. It was uh, from 
some guy who's a writer of fiction novels who decided he wanted to become a theologian. Oh boy, that's scary. And the only reason I'm including it is because a prominent Christian leader in northern Colorado said they liked this. I'm going to read it to you. Have you ever wondered? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank God I know what I believe. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning going, I wonder if I'm believing the right thing. I need to stay open. <laughs> Come on now. Don't look at me like that. Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, don't be tossed to and fro by every new wind of doctrine that comes down the pipe. Have you ever wondered if our definition of being born again isn't what Jesus really meant? Ooh. What if he meant something more than we realize? And more, what if our narrow definition of what it means to be born again is actually crippling us from awakening to true love and peace? I got to control myself right now. Miss Linda told me no cussing during your sermon. He goes on to say that born again, Jesus wasn't speaking of an event. He was speaking of a process. It reminded me of something that a friend of mine told me up in Estes. This, this gal was a, uh, she manages one of the gift shops up there. And she said, Pastor John, she said, I got to tell you something that happened this week. She said, there's some tourists that came in. Now, we love the tourists, okay? Thank God for the tourists. There is no Estes Park if there are no tourists. Just tell you that. But, and we love to interact with them. We love to talk with them. We meet them on the trail and the restaurant, whatever. We, we always strike up a conversation with the tourists. But she said, we had some tourists from back east come in. They were totally serious. They asked a question. We'd like to know, at what age do the deers turn into elks. <laughs> True story. True story. Now, now, listen, we laugh at that. It's just as crazy and stupid to say that sinners are in a process where they're becoming Christians and then that's kind of, I guess, what born again means. No, no. Deer are born deer. Deer will die deer. Elk are born elk. Elk will die elk. Sinners are born sinners. And sinners will die sinners and go to hell unless they are born again. How many in this room have experienced that new birth? Hallelujah. So anyway, now, after you get born again, now the process of becoming more like Christ starts. And it goes on and on until the day you die. And hopefully, on the day you die, you'll be more like Christ than you were on the day you were 
born again. Are we on the same page? All right. Now, I just got to tell you, that is not the worst one. What I'm going to tell you now, you may, you may uh, think I'm not telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I heard this with my own ears sitting in a church here in northern Colorado. The pastor stood up, and here's what he said. You can be a Buddhist, a Muslim, an agnostic, or even an atheist. That's okay. Just also become a follower of Jesus. He went on to say, you don't even have to be a believer. Just become a follower of Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. That's not okay. That is New Age garbage. I didn't, Linda, I didn't cuss. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> That is New Age garbage that says we embrace everything. That's like that stupid bumper sticker I see around. Coexist. And they got Islam symbol and the cross and, 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 and uh, Judaism and all of it. Coexist. Well, my friend, I want you to know there is only one way to God. And that is through Jesus. And you cannot be a follower if you're not a believer. Your children know this much. So, there it is. And then, then the one that was around <laughs> 10 years before we retired. Here, here, here it was. Our services need to be tailored for the seeker. Notice, we don't call them sinners anymore. No, that, that might offend them. <laughs> we call them seekers. Tailor your service. Don't say or allow anything to be said that might offend them. And, and whatever you do, tone down that radical worship and praise that might scare them off. <laughs> I don't think this church got the email. <laughs> oh. Matt and Jory, I love you guys so much. It's like, it's like, where can I go and have that kind of worship and praise? It's so rare. And I just want to say to the leadership team here, please, please don't ever believe the garbage that says that you got to tone down the work of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your church.
And so I say this. What is happening today in the body of Christ in so many areas? It is not true evangelism. I don't care if they say we're doing this to reach the sinner. No, it's not true evangelism. Here's why. Number one, it does not call sinners to repentance. Number two, it does not point people to the cross. Number three, it does not hold fast to the teachings of God's Word. And why, why, uh, okay, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to answer my own question. Why, why would a church say, oh, we don't want to call sinners to repentance. Oh, no, we don't, we, we don't want to point them to that bloody cross. Um, no, and, and, and we don't hold fast to these things that the Bible is plain about. Why would a church take that attitude? I'll tell you why. It's because the church doesn't have the working power of the Holy Spirit in it that changes lives. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. So, that's where we're at. I'm an old guy, 75, and I got a whole life's history behind me of seeing lives powerfully changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the cross. Nobody's going to convince me that this new way is going to somehow be better than the way that changed thousands of lives. And uh, you see here, how much time do I have? Eh, no, I don't have all day. I want to get invited back again. <laughs> but um, I got this fancy new watch. It's got a timer built into it. And before I got up here, I set my timer. <laughs> it's showing right now. I have three minutes and 39 seconds left. However, I set it 10 minutes fast, so it would buzz me. I'd know now you got 10 minutes to wrap this up, okay? <laughs> Sneaky devil. Okay. Pastor Kurt, I should write an autobiography. It would be called My Life, The Story of Changed Lives. And I, like, I'd like to share, like, one with you that was probably the most dramatic that I have ever experienced. It would be, uh, let's see here, it would be chapter three of my book. That chapter would be titled, The Fire, the Filling Station, and the Fisherman. Do I have your attention? Okay. It, it happened in the first church we ever pastored. It was a tiny little town in uh, west central Nebraska. And when I say tiny, I'm talking tiny, like 300 people, and I think that included the dogs and the cats. <laughs> little tiny town. One of those towns where everybody knows everybody. We weren't there very long until I was informed that there were three sinners in that town. <laughs> that were the leaders of the pack. I mean, 
they were the real sinners. So I began to pray for these three sinners. And uh, I don't remember exactly how long after this all started, but there, the, the, the sirens went off in town. There was a prairie fire, Nebraska prairie fire. And being a new pastor in town, I, I wanted to be a part of the community, and everybody was, that could was supposed to go help fight the prairie fire. Nowadays, there's a fire, you get near it, they're going to throw you in jail. <laughs> okay, stay away, we'll do this. But uh, then, every able-bodied man. So I jumped in my car, and I headed out north of town, dirt gravel road. You could see the smoke coming up. And lo and behold, I got a flat tire. To this day, I believe God punctured my tire. <laughs> Back in those days, um, nowadays you have one key, it unlocks everything, okay? Back in those days, you had a separate key for the trunk, okay? I didn't have the trunk key. So I'm standing out beside my car going, mm, stupid, what do you do now? Over the hill, comes a pickup truck, dust flying, and as it gets closer, I look, I'm like, ah, oh, it's the three sinners. <laughs> That's why I say God punctured the tire. They pull up in a cloud of dust, and they, they, in that town, everybody knows who you are. Hey, preach, what you doing? And I told him about the tire and no key and all that. And the one sinner looks at the other one. He goes, that preacher is the dumbest thing I ever met in my life. <laughs> they open the door. They say, hop in, preach. I don't know why they can't just call you John. <laughs> it's either preach or preacher or all that. So I got in. Folks, I have never heard such language in all of my life. It would make a sailor blush. It was horrible. Holy Spirit says, Holy Spirit says, you know what? They're just trying to get to you. See what your reaction is going to be. I'm like, well, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. We went out, we fought the fire, we went back into town. Somebody was going to have to bring me back out. Sinner number one, he was the worst one. Oldest one, worst one. He's like, I ain't taking that stupid preacher out there. If you want to take him out, you can, but I'm not taking him out. That's how they talk to me. One guy goes, well, fine, somebody's got to take him out. I guess I will. So I went and got my key to the trunk, and out we went, got the tire changed, all that. So, now, we're friends. <laughs> you know, we've met, we've fought fire together. I found out it, about two or three days out of the week, they'd meet at the filling station that center number one owned, and they'd sit down there and drink beer and play checkers. And then they'd sometimes go fishing. So uh, I just showed up. I'm like, hey, what you guys doing? 
none of your GD business. Like, hey, hey, come on, we fight fires together. What? Oh, you're playing checkers, huh? Yeah, we're playing checkers. You want a beer? Now, trust me, I have nothing against drinking a beer every now and then. A glass of wine every now and then. I have my cardiologist here, Dr. Rath, told me to. <laughs> But he was just a part of their whole lifestyle. And sinner number one, he had a reputation that he had furnished booze for all of the teenagers in town. This guy was really hardcore. So I sit down, I might ignore them and their rudeness. We just, over the course of several weeks, we get better acquainted. And then one day, I think it's getting too uncomfortable for them. They're like, let's get out of here. Let's go fishing. I said, can I go? <laughs> no, you can't go. We don't fish with no preacher. Do you ever have one of those moments when God, like, drops something in your heart and you know that was God? I looked at that sinner, and I was like, what's the matter? You afraid the preacher's going to outfish you? And everybody in town is going to know you got outfished by a preacher. Go get your pole, preach. <laughs> we went out there. They were whipping the water with a frenzy. Just like, got to catch a fish, got to catch a fish. You know what I was doing? I was making sure there was no bait on my hook. Because, see, they were fishing for fish. I was fishing for men. We'd go fishing quite a bit. And then one day, Senator number two called me and said, hey, um, I don't know if you heard or not, but Lon's in the hospital. He was in his 80s at that time. He's got double pneumonia, and the doctors say he's not going to live. I said, thanks. I'll go up to the hospital. So I went up to the hospital, walked in. I said, oh, Lon, you look terrible. He says, yeah, preach. He's a chain smoker his whole life. Real raspy voice. Yeah, preach. Doc says I'm not going to make it. And I looked at him. And I said, Lon, if the doctor's right, I got to ask you something. Where are you going to spend eternity? He was kind of quiet. And then he looked at me and said, I don't think my chances are very good. I've been a really, really bad person. You know what I did next? Remember our, the things about Christianity? I just told him that. 
I got done. I said, Lon, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to just confess that you're a sinner and ask Christ to forgive you your sin and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life? He's quiet for a moment or two, and then he goes, Yeah, I'm ready to preach. And I took him by the hand, and I led him in a prayer. He asked me to lead him because he said, I don't know how to talk to God. I'm like, okay, I'll lead you in a prayer. Led him in a prayer. Confessed his sin, asked Jesus to come into his life. He said, Amen. I opened my eyes. With his other hand, he was wiping tears out of his eyes. Most hard old sinner I'd ever met in, to that time or to this time. Wiping tears out of his eyes. He goes, Damn, pneumonia makes your eyes water. <laughs> First act as a Christian, he lied. <laughs> God loved him anyway. So, three weeks, oh, he didn't die. <laughs> Ten days later, they released him from the hospital. He went home. The guy had a Bible. You know what kind of Bible he had? You ever seen one of those old antique Family Bible's about a foot thick. That's all he had. He went in the closet. He found his Bible. And he started walking up and down Main Street, going in every store, telling everybody what Jesus had done for him. <laughs> Wish you could have seen the look on the church people's face the first Sunday, he walked in the back with his great big family Bible. He didn't look for no back pew. He wanted right up front. He walked right up the center aisle, sat down right up front. I'm telling you, this is the biggest sinner in town. <coughs> All those good church people, they're grabbing for their kids. <laughs> a, few, a few weeks later, I got a call one day from sinner number two. He said, hey, preach. Want to go fishing? I'm like, yeah, sure. We'd go out by the big canal, big, wide, deep canal that connects all those reservoirs up in uh, central Nebraska. And we'd fish all night. Build a campfire, fish all night. That was the best time to fish. The guy came. I said, you want me to drive? He said, no. So I'll drive. He came. There's a back alley behind my house. He came roaring into that back alley, weaving back and forth, nearly knocked down two telephone poles. The guy was fall down drunk. He's like, throw your gear in the back. Let's go. I'm like, I'll drive. <laughs> I can drive. Away we went. I'm telling you, 
Scott, I have never been so terrified in my entire life. It was all over the road. I'm like, well, if I die, at least I die doing the work of the Lord. <laughs> we got out there to the canal, started putting our poles out. He went to throw his out. He's so drunk, he fell in. I, I ran and jumped and grabbed him. He'd have died. I pulled him up out. I said, why don't you sit down over there? I'll, I'll throw the line out. It wasn't long. He fell asleep. I sat there into the wee hours of the morning watching the poles. Later, he woke up. He's like, man, I was pretty drunk, wasn't I? I'm like, yeah, you were. I said, um, well, he said, thanks for saving my life. I said, hey, you do that for a friend. I said, uh, I got to ask you a question. If I had not been able to grab you and you had drowned, where would you spend eternity? He's quiet for a little bit, and he goes, listen, I got something to say. He said, I know how this works. You're supposed to, like, like go to a church and raise your hand, and, and, and then everybody looks at you. And He says, I, I, I just got to tell you something. It's nobody's business where I'm at spiritually. I, suppose, I said, you suppose maybe that's your pride speaking? He said, I suppose maybe it is. These guys were hardened. And I looked at him and I said, um, I'll just make sure your pride doesn't send you to hell. I said, you don't have to come to a church. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do any of that. In the privacy of your own home, you can ask Christ into your life. It'll work. But I said, you need to do that. Folks, this is real evangelism. I don't know when he did it. I just know he did it because his whole life changed. His whole life changed. A few weeks later, sinner number three brought his entire family to church, and they all raised their hands and came forward and asked Jesus into their life, and their lives were changed. And this thing just... Oh, I know. I turned it around. How did I do that? Yeah, be that way. Here's the bottom line. If you love them, tell them the truth. Don't act like they're okay. Don't just embrace them and, oh, you're all, we, we just need to love you. Tell them the truth. Because if you don't, they're going to die and go to hell, and you're going to have it on your conscience.
Those three sinners, two of which are already in heaven waiting for me, one of which is still alive, they're all born again. It wasn't a process. It was an event. And it happened because somebody loved them enough to tell them the truth in love.